My name is Hunter Tan, and you're listening to the Legacy of Ministry podcast. This podcast is dedicated to the legacy left by my grandfather, Pastor David Tan, and his 55-year ministry. During that time, he took seriously the call to go into the world and make disciples. He traveled the world proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and pastor churches in Auburn, Washington and Missoula, Montana. He had a heart for God's word. These are his sermons. And while they may be 20 years old, I know that as you listen, you will find that the word he preached is still living and active. God has never, ever once failed us. But I say, oh God, there is much more that I need from you. I need God every single day, every single moment of every single day. We need more of God. Where am I going to get my values, the word or the world? If you build them on values from the word of God, they are eternal values. How many know they're going to last forever? This is David Tan's Legacy of Ministry. Well, today we're going to talk about defining my life mission. And the reason for this whole series is to help us to find out what God has in mind for us, what our mission in life really is. How many understand by now that everyone has a mission? I said, how many understand that everyone has a mission? Amen. If I were to ask you this morning um, to describe your life in one word, what would you say? Some of you say, well, my life, I, I, I have a lot of fun. Some of you probably would say, it's extremely busy, um, and we, have, we hear a lot about that. My plate is just way too full. I'm not sure how many of us would use the word focused or purposeful, yet the secret of effectiveness in life is having a focus. What is it that God wants me to do? As a Christian, that ought to be the number one concern and priority. That's why we're looking at the foundations for effective living. The first week, we talked about clarifying your values. Actually sitting down and writing out your values. What are my values? What, what do I want to teach my children? Um, what kind of values are important to me, and they should have some eternal consequence because everything else is going to pass away. Everything that we do in this life is going to be gone one day. We all understand that we live here for 70, 80, 90 years. I used to say 60, but now I say 70 But then we know that we're going to, one day, we're, we're going to die. And it doesn't matter how many good words the preacher says about you when you're dead. 
You know, we could stand up here and say all kinds of nice things about you that probably are true. But then you begin eternity. You stand in the presence of God, and you not only live for 60, 70, 80 years, but it is now for billions of years, because there's no ending to it. So we have to evaluate and clarify our values, number one. Secondly, we talked about analyzing your strengths, and we we looked at how God shaped you with the talents and the gifts that he gave you and uh, gave you the opportunity of going through the ministry fair and uh, just uh, looking at different ministries that you could probably plug into. And then last week we talked about committing your life to God, making that commitment, saying, God, even though I don't understand completely what it is you want me to do, Yet by faith, I'm going to step out and I'm going to start doing something profitable for the kingdom of God. And then if it isn't what God wants you to do, he'll show you something else to do. But rather than just sitting and, as I said last week, having the, the engine revving at the end of the runway and never taking off, you start doing something, and then if it isn't the right thing, God will help you to find something else to do. But everybody in the body of Christ has a ministry. Today, I want to look at the fourth step, prayerfully discover my mission. It should, as I said, express the values that we talked about. It should express the shape or make use of the shape that God has given me. And thirdly, the commitment to God's purpose should also be there. Jesus had a purpose. How many know that he didn't come to this world purposeless? He had a reason for coming. In fact, here's what the Bible says. In John chapter 17, verse 4, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. You might want to just circle the words completing the work. I want to be able to say at the end of life, when I stand before the Lord, I have brought glory to you. How many would like to be able to say to him when you see him, you know, Lord, I brought glory to you. I think all of us would. Well, how do we do that? How do we, how do we bring glory to God? If you're a believer, that should be your highest priority. How many want to bring that glory to God? You've already expressed that. Well, you do it by completing the work that God gave you to do. That's what Jesus did. So God gave you some work to do, and uh, he gave you a job to do. He gave you a, a shape to fill in this world. And if you do it to the best of your ability, God is going to say to you one day, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of your Lord. Paul had a reason for living. 
You remember, if you go to the book of Acts, that he had been warned by the Holy Spirit that trouble was ahead, that wherever he would go, there would be chains and tribulation. He would be in great peril. Instead of turning around and going back and saying, well, I don't want to do that, here's his response in verse number 24 of Acts 20. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Say nothing. I consider my life worth nothing, not to God, but to me. And then he went on, and if, if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. He said, I want to complete my mission. My life is worth nothing. I don't care about my life. I don't care if I'm put in chains. That doesn't make any difference to me. He said, my only purpose is to complete God's mission. He had an all-consuming vision and passion. He said, my whole goal in life is just to do what God made me to be. Now what is a life mission? It is a description of what you believe God wants you to be, of what God created you for. So it's more than a goal. You know, if I, if I asked you today what your purpose in life is, I suppose I'd get all kinds of answers such as, I want to graduate from college if I'm a college student. That's my goal. That's my mission. Or you might say, I want to make a million dollars. I want to get rich. Or you might say, I'd like to build a nice house. I, I would like to have enough money so when I retire, I can do it comfortably. Now, these are all good goals. There's nothing wrong with them, but they are goals, not a mission. They're not what God created you for. They're goals that you can do on your own, on, your, on the side, but it is more. A mission that God gives you is more than a goal. Number two, it defines success for me. Remember that success is living by my values. Am I living according to the values that I see as a Christian? And number three, it's based on God's purpose for me. Remember um, last week or the week before, I, I read from Psalm 139, verse 16, and I read some other verses, but uh, here's, here's the last verse. You saw me before I was born and scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. How many know that this is God's word? How many believe it's true? Well, if you believe it's true, then you have to know that while you were being formed in your mother's womb, God knit you together. He saw you. He knew you. He knew you before you were ever born. And he had, he had scheduled every day of your life. He said, now this is what I want John to do for the rest of his life. These are the things I have planned for him. 
This is what I want Susan to do. When, when she's born, I want her to begin to grow up and then begin to do these things that I have scared. How many believe that God does that? Well, it says he does it. So it's based on God's purpose. And number four, it expresses my shape. I should be able to do what God has called me to do because he shaped me to do that. Now, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, don't act thoughtlessly, but try to find out and do whatever the Lord wants you to do. How many know that we go through life very thoughtlessly sometimes? We don't really think about what we're going to do tomorrow. We know that we're going to get up and we're going to have breakfast and we're going to go to work and we're going to come back and we're going to, we're going to sit and watch some television maybe and have dinner with our family. We'll go to bed and we'll get up the next morning. We'll do the same thing. We don't think a lot about what we're doing because we have a pattern that we've already established. But he said, don't act thoughtlessly, but try to find out and do whatever God wants you to do. How many of you have, and I don't want you to raise your hand, but think about it, how many of you have really ever thought about what is it that God really wants me to do? What is my mission in life? What is my place in the body of Christ? Have I defined that? Have I found that? Well, I'm hoping that you will this morning. I'm gonna give you four questions to ask Ask these questions of yourself, and I hope they'll help you to define your mission. Number one, what will be the center of my life? What is the center of my life? What is my life revolving around? Well, if you go back to your values, you should be able to determine what your life is, going, is, is circling around. Because there's a lot of options. You can center your whole life on your job. How many know that your job can consume your life? You can let it, I'm, I have a job, I have a mission, I know what I wanna do, this is what my life revolves around. Or it can revolve around your family. It can revolve around making money, it can revolve around a hobby, it can even revolve around a sports team. Ouch. I love sports. And there's nothing wrong with any of these things. I want you to get the point. There's nothing wrong with this, but if when your life is falling apart, when one day you wake up and, and, and you're struck with sickness, or you're, somebody in your family dies, or your husband or wife comes up and says, I'm leaving and I'm never coming back. When those things begin to happen, your job is not gonna hold you together. The sports team isn't going to be enough to keep you going. You need to have something stronger than that at the center of your life. And what you really need is Jesus Christ to be the center. Not only be your Savior, but to be the Lord of your life as well. 
When you become a believer, the center of your life changes, or at least it should change. The center of your life should be Jesus Christ. I want him to be my life. I want him to be my center. You know what's so amazing about Jesus is that he loves me even though he knows everything about me. And the same for you. All the garbage that have gone on in your life, all the bad things you've done, he's forgiven and forgotten, and he says, I love you anyhow. Boy, this pulpit's starting to move. I better <clears throat> careful. I think somebody put some wheels under it while it was gone. So Jesus ought to be this, listen to this verse. This is a memory verse, in fact. You, you, you can memorize it this week. Matthew chapter 22, verse 38. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Say all. All your heart, your soul, and mind. How many know that means Everything, your heart, your soul, your mind, you love God with every, all that. This is the first and greatest commandment. He says this is top priority. He says you don't do anything else. If you don't do anything else in life, you need to learn to know God and to love God. Why? Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10, knowing God results in every other kind of understanding. Did you realize that? Really knowing God results in every other kind of understanding. You can begin to understand life a whole lot better when you know God with all your heart, when you love him with all your heart. So what's going to be the center of my life is the first question. Second question, what will be the character of my life? What am I going to be? I, I've said this before, let me say it to you again. God is far more interested in what you are rather than what you do. Far more. He's more interested in what you're becoming than what you're doing. Why? Because you're going to, let me just put it like this. You are not gonna take your, your, your job to heaven. You're not, gonna take, uh, you're not gonna take your career to heaven. But you are gonna take your character to heaven. You will be known as you are known. Your character, you are developing your character right here on earth. And that is who you're gonna be when you get to heaven. So that's why God is far more interested in what you are than what you do. Because life is a preparation for eternity. The only thing you're gonna take into heaven on the other side is character. And as I said already, you're developing that during these 60, 70, or 80 years you have on earth. And then you're going to be that for eternity. How many are still happy? Say amen. amen. I'm going to start doing what, uh, what was his name? That 
little preacher. He said, you love the little preacher. Huh? Johnny Jernigan. <clears throat> but I told the people last week in the early service, you don't have to say you gotta love the big preacher. <laughs> How you doing, Beverly? <laughs> she gets a little chagrined at times. But I love you anyhow. I'm in trouble. <laughs> you see, God said that he made us to become like Christ in character. Listen. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. For from the very beginning, God decided that those who came to him should become like his son. From the very beginning, God decided that he wanted you to become like his son, Jesus Christ. God wants us to learn to think like Jesus. He wants us to learn to act like Jesus. He wants us to begin to talk like Jesus, to have the character of Jesus. In fact, I told my staff recently that and I told the board this also. I said, I, I really want our church to become a compassionate church. I want us to become a place where people can come and, 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 and just find compassion and help and healing. In fact, I was reading the bulletin earlier this morning, and I don't have one right here, so does somebody have one I can have? Thank you, Philip. On the back of the bulletin, we had this there for years. This describes a compassionate church. And I don't want it just to be on the back of the bulletin. I want it to permeate this church. Here's what it says. Welcome to all who mourn and need comfort. To all who are weary and need rest. To all who are friendless and need friendship to all who are lonely and want companionship, to all who sin and need a savior, and to whosoever will, this church opens wide its doors in the name of Jesus Christ and says, welcome. Amen? That's who we should be. That's not just say it as a motto. But I want this to become Christian Life Center, that when people talk about Christian Life Center in Missoula, Montana, they say, you know, that's the church that really loves each other. Amen? And it happens when all of us become more like Jesus. Have the character of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. God sent Jesus to this world so we could see God's character, his godly character, and that's what he wants us to have. Here's the question. Is God going to make if God is going to make you like Jesus Christ, how will he do it? 
Well, I think we all know by now that he's going to take us through some circumstances that Jesus had to go through. He's going to test us in some ways that Jesus was tested. Let me ask you a few questions. Was there ever a time when Jesus was lonely? Absolutely. Was there ever a time when Jesus was criticized? Sure he was. Was there ever a time when Jesus was misunderstood? Many times. Was there ever a time when Jesus was tempted? Sure he was. We know about that. We read about that. Do you think there ever was a time when Jesus just absolutely was fatigued and tired? Sure, that's why he went to be alone with his father on numerous occasions. How about times when he was tempted just to give up? Do you think there might have been times like that? I think there were. When he saw what people's reaction to him and if God wants us to be like Jesus, let's find out what Jesus was like. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23, gives us a good picture of what Jesus was like. And he wants us to build, he wants to build these qualities into us as well. Here is what it is. the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, kindness, and self-control. Those are the things that God wants to build because they describe Jesus. That's who Jesus is. The question now then is how does he do that? By putting us in the exact opposite of what we need in our lives. How does God put love in your life? By putting you in touch with some unlovely people. If everybody was as nice as you are. Now, come on, we've all said that. How come I have so many people who don't like me when I'm such a nice guy? Well, if everybody was like you, then you would never learn what real love is. Jesus knew what love was when they were nailing him to the cross, and he looked at them and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He loved them in spite of everything. They plucked his beard. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not. The Bible indicates there was a much oft-repeated phrase. It didn't just say it once. How about joy? How does God teach us what real joy is? Not by putting us in a place where everything is going our way, but by putting us in situations where we go through sadness and sorrow and grief and problems because inner joy does not depend upon circumstances. It is what God gives us as a gift. He said, I give you my joy. It's a gift that he gives. It's, it's something that's developed when you're going through hardships. How about peace? 
How does he teach us peace? In absolute chaos. Some of you in this room will understand this. The baby is crying, the food is burning, the phone is ringing, and the kids are crying, the dog is barking, and the doorbell rings, and you're there all by yourself. How many have identified with that? And it's easy to say, I give up. I just can't do this. You only learn peace in the midst of the storm. I, uh, I remember years ago, I, I read the story of a man who was gonna give a large prize to, uh, to somebody who could paint the best picture of peace. And there were all kinds of responses. People had beautiful meadows and streams and all kinds of things. But the one that won the prize was a picture of a, a waterfall, a huge Niagara Falls type waterfall that was pouring over the edge and you could almost hear the roar of the water. But on, on close examination, there was a little mother bird sitting on her nest under the cleft of the rock. The storm was all around her. The water was cascading over her head. But she sat there in total peace because she knew the rock would protect her. And I want to tell you something. When you really know Jesus Christ in the midst, and there is so much turmoil. Our country is so full of turmoil right now during this election time. It's unbelievable the accusations that people make against each other and and, 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 and people buy this one day and the next day they buy something else. And, and it, 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 there's turmoil all around us. And we need to know that there is some place that we can go. Jesus is the center and he is the one that gives us peace. What about patience? The best way that God teaches patience is a long put you in a long line. Bev called me yesterday and said, would you go to the store and get some sour cream on your way home? <clears throat> she did it very sweetly because I hate doing that. And she knows I do. But she didn't want to come, so I said, yeah, I'll do it. I went across the street to Albertsons, got some sour cream and a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> I'm trying to teach her not to send me to the store. Okay, but I got the sour cream and, and the other stuff. And, and I, I went to the line and there was a long line. So I went to the next one and it was a little shorter. I went to the third one and finally I settled in on the fourth line. Because it was short. Have you ever discovered, though, when you get into a short line, you get into the slow line? That's why it's short. See? But I... Uh, I don't know why I told you all that, but I guess <laughs> I might have needed a little more patience or something. Because you don't have any choice. You just have to be patient. 
or you can get caught in traffic. I would suggest to you that if you want to see some traffic, go down Reserve Street or Russell Street between 3.30 and 5 o'clock. If you've never been frustrated in your life, you can easily get frustrated. But why, why does God permit that to happen? So that we will learn patience. There's a little chorus that that we've taught our little grandkids, and they sing it every once in a while when we're, we're showing a little impatience. Have patience, have patience, don't be in such a hurry. What's the rest of it? Remember that God is patient too. Tiffany, why don't you come and sing it? I'm just kidding. <laughs> But he, he wants us to develop, to develop his character. Aren't you glad that God is patient? Aren't you glad that God is peaceful? And all of these things that we read about, but above all, God wants us to develop love, to love him because he loves us, and, and he wants to be at the center of our lives. So number one, he... he, he what will be the center? Number two, what will be the character? And number three, question is, what will be the contribution of my life? What am I going to do with my God-given talents? Um, you know, I, I just want to say this. This has got nothing to do with what I'm talking about. But I just thought about it. Please sign up for the missions dinner. This Friday night, it's going to be a. This guy is going to bless you, and he'll be here next Sunday with us. I know people who stay away on Mission Sunday because they don't want to be convicted. Don't do that. You don't have to give, but you need to hear what God is saying. So uh, today, you, you in your bulletin, you can tear that off, and and uh, we need to know how many are going to be there. But it, it's it's just going to be really good. What will be the contribution of your life? What am I going to do with my God-given talents? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. God has given each of you some special abilities. It didn't say that God gave some of you. It said God gave each of you. How many each of yous do we have in this service? All of us, everyone, God gave you a special ability. Be sure to use them to help each other, not to help myself, but to help each other, passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. See, that's why we have the body concept. Paul talks about the body. Every member doing what it was called to do, and then it functions beautifully how many know that if you miss part of the body, you're not whole? And so that's why God gave everybody certain talents and abilities so we can help others. And, and then in Ephesians 2.10, it says, it is God himself who made us what we are and given us new lives through Jesus Christ. And long ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping ourselves. 
helping others. He wants us to help others. Do you get that message by now? God put you here to help others, to use your abilities, your talents. And I hope that this week you will spend some time considering this question. What is going to be the contribution of my life? Because there are really only two types of people in the world. There are the givers and there are the takers. And I will say this, there are times when even the givers have to be takers. So I'm not, I'm not condemning you, but if you're only a taker and you're never a giver, there are people like that. I want to say that abundant giving is the key to abundant living. And I want you to get this. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give away. We make a living by what we get. We earn a living. We go out and we get, we get a paycheck. But you make a life by what you give away. Now there's a fourth question. What will be the communication of my life? First of all, the center, then the character, and then the contribution, and finally the communication. That means your life message. God wants all of us to tell others about Jesus Christ. He wants all of us who have received the good news to share the good news. He, he, and, and we have a great opportunity by getting a ticket and taking them to the passion so that you can talk to them about Jesus Christ. Because they're gonna ask some questions. But there is an addition to that. God has a unique message he wants you to share. Have you ever seen people that are really passionate about something? Marilyn Hatch, are you here Marilyn? Marilyn, I have never seen anybody more passionate about the abortion issue. Why is that? Is because God placed that in her heart. God made her that way. There are others who feel as, as passionate as she does. There's some of you that God has placed in your heart to be passionate about evangelism. You're an evangelist at heart. There's some of you that God has, has placed mercy as the center of your life, and you are a merciful person. You, you would reach out to people who have fallen and have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and you'll restore them to health. And again, we have the picture of the whole body doing, you see, Marilyn helps us to understand this and somebody else helps us to understand that, but everybody in the body of Christ doing what God has given them the passion to do, then we become effective in doing the work of God. I would suggest you may want to write down your life mission. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, our goal is to measure up to God's plan for us. Our goal is to measure up to God's plan. Remember, 
This life is a preparation for eternity. And while we're on earth, God wants you to fulfill four basic purposes that we've talked about, these four questions. I read this story of a, of a guy, his name was Stephen Jobs, and he was the founder of the Apple computer. And he went to recruit John Scully, who was the president of the Pepsi-Cola Corporation. He wanted him to come and be the president of the Apple computer company. And he was having a hard time convincing him. They had just come out with the Macintosh um, computer, which was the first really user-friendly computer. Now, I have yet to discover a user-friendly computer. <laughs> but that was one of them. They, they said, at least that was the thing. And, and he was trying to sell... He was trying to sell John Scully on this. And finally he said, Scully, he said, listen, Scully, do you want to spend the rest of your life selling sugared water or do you want to change the world? Well, let me ask you a question. What do you want to do with the rest of your life? Do you want to just keep on doing what you're doing or do you really want to do something that'll make a difference? You see, if you're focused on your mission, God says this is what you were placed here to do. You will not become a frustrated Christian. There are a lot of frustrated Christians. They look at the church and they look at other things and they say, boy, I, I wish things were different. Well, then make them different. Get plugged into what, maybe, maybe the missing piece is you, you see. What is at the center of your life right now? I mean, honestly, think about it. What is at the center of your life right now? Is it your job? Is it your family? Whatever it is, is, is it, or is it Jesus Christ? Can you honestly say, you know, Jesus is the reason for living? I want to do everything I can to please God. I want to find my mission in life. I want Jesus to be the center. So the heartaches, the pain. Did you know that even the unexpected problems in your life are there for a reason? Maybe God is trying to get your attention. And maybe he's trying to tell you to come back into the place where Jesus Christ can become more of the center than he is. To develop his character in your life. He can give you the ability to make a contribution because you can help other people who have gone through the same problem. I've said it many times, don't ever waste a problem. If God lets you go through something that's difficult, share it with somebody else. There's other people sitting right in this room that are going through the same thing and are frustrated, and you can help them. 
I invite you to open your life to Jesus Christ today. Maybe you never have done that, or maybe you have, but you've drifted away from God. That always has to be the starting point. In the midst of all of this turmoil that's around us, Jesus offers us this wonderful promise in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Boy, when you see the stuff that's going on, it's, it's easy to get a troubled heart. I was sitting down there, and little Logan was sitting on Bev's lap. Um, Shannon and Jason are with the youth. And, in fact, Jason's sick right now, and Shannon's with the youth. And so we had the boys, and I was sitting there looking at that little guy and saying, boy, all the stuff that's going on in the world, God, keep him close to you. Just, just protect him. And we can all say that. Let your peace come to us. Let the peace of heaven. If you're facing some struggles today, you're troubled or afraid, just accept his peace this morning. never to forget all the wonderful things that you've done in my life.